we've been going through a series called How to Pray. How to Pray. Going through the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6. On, on the topics of God's will, His provision, the last two weeks. And then for forgiveness is what we're going to talk about this week. Next week it's going to be about temptation. And the forgiveness thing really unfolds into, I think, some things that I came across yesterday. I had a conversation with a young lady yesterday. And she told me, she said, well, I'm really not a church person because I've had some experiences where people made comments to her about choices she had made in her life. And how they didn't feel like that lined up with where she should be in her relationship with the Lord. And how that if she didn't follow the church's program that she probably should look for someplace else to go. And I told her, I said, you know, my grandpa who passed away in 1988, he was a preacher and uh, he uh, he. He said something one time when he was preaching and it really just kind of spoke volumes to me. And I still remember it to this day. And it is really the amazing grace of the Lord that he gives us so that we can in turn show that grace to other people. My grandpa said this, he said, don't try and pick a splinter out of my eye if you got a whole lumber yard in your own. And I told this young lady, I said, I said, well, the, the sad part is, is that they need to be paying attention to their walk with the Lord and not your walk with the Lord. Because it's our job to live an example, to be an example, and then also to show the light of Christ and let the Holy Spirit do his work on the inside of somebody else. Last week we talked about how to pray for God's provision and we're going to focus, as I said, on forgiveness, which seems really elementary for the believer. But the Lord's Prayer is foundational. I'm going to review a couple of things because I know there's some that weren't here and it's foundational to where we're going. The Lord's Prayer is a foundational prayer based on Following the first part in order to get to the second part. Each is conditional, built on the one before it. For example, you cannot believe or ask for God's provision until you believe and pray for God's will. Both set the stage for the believer to pray for forgiveness. We're talking about forgiveness for the believer. He's talking to his disciples. He's not talking to the lost. He's talking to his disciples. When you are walking in the will of God and trusting Him for the needs in the closeness of your relationship with Him, then you, are, you will become aware when you need to pray for forgiveness. Sound people back there, can you give me just a little more right here, please? Just a tad. Not much. <clears throat> but let's look at the overall foundation even before... Jesus began to tell his disciples how to pray. Let's look at the scripture. Matthew chapter 6, verse number 1. 
This was the foundation before we get to the Lord's Prayer. He says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as, with, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will, will reward you. So the things that you do, the motivation that you have in your walk with the Lord is not out on public display for the sake of recognition, but it is doing what we're supposed to do in the private place with the Lord our God so that He sees what your heart is and He knows what your heart is and everything that you do in front of other people has the motives of doing what He has instilled in you in that private place. And, verse 5, and, so it's connected, and when you pray, everybody say when. When. When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, there it is again, when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who is seen, who is unseen, then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans do. For they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask them. So he's talking again about doing things in secret. And God will reward you both times. When you work for the Lord and you do those with pure motives of what came out of the secret place with Him, He's going to reward you when you do things for other people. And when you uh, pray, he sees what you do in secret and he's going to reward you. Verse 9 says, then this is how, everybody say how. how. This is how you should pray. And here's the example. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done in, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father also will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. So I want to recap this. Verse 9 says, Our Father in heaven, so our prayer must involve the worship of the heavenly Father. He loves and He cares for us so much that his, He gave His only begotten Son so that we wouldn't perish. And then he goes on to say, hallowed be your name. The word hallowed means with the utmost respect, the utmost awe, the utmost reverence. I'm never going to do anything that will bring reproach on the name of the Lord in my life. I'm, my life is going to be, if you look at it with a magnifying glass, and people who are not believers will look at your life with a magnifying glass because you're supposed to be a Christian. doesn't mean we never make mistakes. It doesn't mean we won't ever fall or fail. But it does mean that in our efforts and everything we do, we live a careful life trying not to bring reproach on anything that would cause anyone to think negatively or badly about the church, about the Lord, and about His people, and about your walk in the Lord. How we live is a reflection on what we believe. 
If you spend enough time around somebody and you listen to them talk, you can get and you can get an idea of what's on the inside of that individual. I've said this before. If I can spend uh, if I can spend uh, uh, some time with a man and I can hear him talk about his wife, I can tell you what kind of marriage they have. Just to hear him talk about his wife. How do people hear you talk when you talk? It's something to think about. Um, then we say. Then we say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So when we pray, your will be done, we're laying it all out there. We're saying from the depths of our heart, what I want is more powerful and more important than what you want. Selfishness causes the destruction of many things. It causes the destruction of friendships. It causes the destruction of marriages. It causes the destruction of relationships. And it causes the uh, distance is really the word I'm looking for. The distance between people and relationships, especially in your relationship with God. When we're selfish about what we want instead of what God wants, then, we, then God's just kind of waiting and, and waiting for us to see, well, whenever you get around to wanting what I want in your life, then maybe I'll show up. And so we, we pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's in verse 10. When we pray this, you know, the only reason why God's will might not be done is because He has given us a free will and we have the ability not to allow His plan or His purpose to be fulfilled, to become a reality in our lives. If we really can grasp how much better His plans are than our plans, how many know that His ways are higher than our ways? And, our, and, and as far as the heavens, as high as the heavens are above the earth. Then on uh, last week from verse 11, give us today our daily bread. What we're really asking is, is, Lord, provide us for what we need physically, emotionally, spiritually, in every way, right here, right now. And, Lord, we can expect only God's provision through our relationship with Jesus. That's how we tap into the provision of God, is through our relationship with Jesus. And when we know that our relationship is right with Jesus, then we can absolutely pray for God's provision. We, we pray, Heavenly Father, I believe you will meet all my needs according to your word through my relationship with Jesus Christ. When we pray for God's provision, we pray for God's provision not that we might be just simply in a better situation. Because how many, if you've ever been in a rough situation, maybe you're in a rough situation right now. We don't pray for God's provision just so we'll be in a better place. We pray for God's provision so that we can use what He provides to allow us to be in service for Him to other people. Because He empowers us to do that. It becomes a witness and a testimony. And it becomes a tool for us to use to bring Him glory. And not just for us to be content. When we do what we can to bless those that are in need, God's provision working through us, then we find that He blesses us so that we can abound or we can prosper, we can flourish in working for the Lord. There, that was the five-minute recap, and I'll try not to talk quite as fast for the rest of this. I heard Brother Alexander say, our former pastor, he said, some people say, I talk fast, and he said, no, they just listen slow. <laughs> Verse 12, and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. The Greek word here for forgive as it appears, and, and as it appears in this verse is, is shown 
over 140 times in the New Testament. Some references mean to let, to let go or to leave behind or to, or to dismiss or even cancel a debt. It is used for the forgiveness of sins, also implying the cancellation of guilt. And I want to sidestep for just a moment. Uh, guilt can last longer than the can 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 be there longer than anything else after forgiveness has come guilt still has the ability to be there and i want to tell you that guilt is brought on from the enemy even though you have walked in forgiveness you have asked for forgiveness the enemy of your soul brings guilt and say, look, you're still the same person. Nothing has changed. And he tries to get you to mull over. And that which has been washed away is, shouldn't even be considered. But the devil's good about bringing it up. When we hear the term forgive or forgiveness, it's natural for us to think about our first encounter with Jesus. We sung about it this morning, the amazing grace of the Lord, how he has washed our sins away. We've trusted in him so we can accept the cancellation of our debt of sin through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. God leaves our sins behind us, all the wrong things that we have done against him and his word. Psalm 103 verse 11 says, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. Psalm 103 verse 12 says, As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You can't get any further than the east is from the west. Those two never connect. They're just, they just keep going and keep going. So as far away as that is, our sins have been cast that far away, never to be remembered against us again. Praise the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says, Therefore, if anyone, that includes us, everybody say, I'm an anyone. I'm an anyone. I'm an anyone. If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, and the new is here. You are new in Christ, in your walk with Christ. When you accept Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, you are brand new on the inside. You get a clean slate. Nothing is held against you. We praise the Lord for the forgiveness of God and the new life that we obtain in Jesus. But it is God's plan so that we stay close to Him so that the forgiveness that He gave to us is fresh in our spirit all the time. We must keep in memory in, 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 our, in, our, in our, uh, 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 our daily walk the forgiveness, that we walk in that forgiveness. Galatians 5 verse 16 says it this way, So I say, walk by the Spirit or in the Spirit or with the Spirit's influence, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. That, that's, that's a charge for you to be led by the Holy Spirit of God so that you're not going to selfishly drift into that place where the earlier part of our passage in Matthew 6 said you should not go. For the, desire, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit. 
How many of you have ever made a New Year's resolution? You drive past the gym parking lots and they are cram-packed full. Matter of fact, we have a gym membership. And the first time we went this year, we went to the gym and I said, I believe it looks a little more busy than it has. And a lot of people are there knowing that, yes, I need to get fit. Knowing I need to get in shape and, and physically needing to do that. And they know in their spirit that they need to do it. But their body cries out, I don't want to do this anymore. It was too much work. Oh, I really need that, the, the, that, that craving that I have. I didn't say food, but, uh, <laughs> but it could be. I really desire that craving that I have. And so who's going to win out? The spirit of the flesh. I tell you, if, if you were in a medical situation and the doctor said, you've got to do this, and if you don't do this, you may only have X amount of time to live, and everybody's like, you know, my mother-in-law, I love her. She's gone on to be with the Lord. Her name was Jenny, and she was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes, and she was not, didn't seem like an unhealthy person. She wasn't overweight. She, you know... But she was diagnosed, and from the moment that she was diagnosed with the diabetes, and the doctor said, you have to eat differently, and she wasn't a big eater to begin with, but I, I, I don't recall seeing, and I'm sure there's lots of others, but this is the one that was closest to my heart, and, and I saw her make a change, and she was very strict about the things that she did, and she said, I'm going to do this, and she was regimented, and she did that, and she lived that. And I thought, wow, that takes a lot of gumption to do that. Um, but that's what we're talking about. The, the, the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other. That's what happens. So that you are not to do whatever you want. If we've ever lived in a culture that says, I'm going to do what I want to do. And I don't want you to say anything about it. Matter of fact, I want you to come along my journey and celebrate it with me. That's where our, much of our culture is today. I want to do what I want to do. That's nothing new. It is throughout history. People are filled. You look in your Bible and you'll find several examples of people who said the people did what was right in their own eyes. They did what was right. They did what they wanted to do. And there are consequences to doing whatever we want to do. And the scripture tells us we're not supposed to live that way. And verse 18 says, but if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Some people say, you know, he's talking about the Old Testament law, trying to live by the rules of the Old Testament, trying to live by the law. Well, this is a rule book that I have to live by. And there are churches that try to make a list of do's and don'ts. This is what you do. This is how you behave. And uh, God is not in the behavior modification business. He is in the spiritual salvation business. And he says, once you... Turn your heart toward the Lord and you walk by the Spirit, then you are no longer under that law. You don't have to worry about your behavior when you're walking by the Spirit because the Spirit will lead you in the way that you're supposed to go. 
Are there certain things that you should do and you shouldn't do? Absolutely. The Word is full of those things. But the clear fact is, is when you walk close to the Lord, then those choices that might be questionable aren't really relevant anymore because your mind doesn't go to those places. It goes to the places where God leads you. So this walking in step with the Holy Spirit, when we do this, we won't need the Ten Commandments because His, He will lead us closer and closer to the Lord. He has the mind of God. When we walk close to God, it doesn't mean we won't make mistakes. But what it means is that when we do, we are more aware, aware of how He has forgiven us and we can walk in His forgiveness on a regular basis. And this is how to pray for forgiveness again. Verse 12, and forgive us our debts as, as we also have forgiven our debtors. We don't stop and just say, and forgive us our debts. We say, as we have also forgiven our debtors. And this is critical and important. As long as we are in this life, someone is likely to do something against us that we won't like. There's going to be a harsh word. There's going, to be, uh, uh, there's going to be actions that may be taken. There's going to be hurts that are going to be had. As long as somebody treats us badly or some, says something to discourage us, whatever it is, the list goes on and on and on. How many ever been hurt by somebody else? Absolutely. As long as we're here. I've said this before and I said you have to have thick skin. To be a Christian. You have to have thick skin to be a Christian. What does that mean? It means that. There are going to be people. And unfortunately I've seen that in the years of ministry. That we've been involved with. Where people even in the church. They're not walking in the spirit. But they're walking in the flesh. And they say some things. That they hadn't ought to say. And people have gotten hurt. And rather than try to make things right or whatever, hurt people go other places away from the hurt. And those same hurt people have gone into another place and the same hurt opens again. How many have ever heard of repetitive behavior? Absolutely. Case in point, there's, there's been people that have had relationships that have been hurtful relationships and they will go from that relationship and they will get into another relationship that's very similar to that one because there's something inside their, their makeup that subconsciously that happens. And what we're saying is that that action by others is always going to happen. But how we react and how we respond to it is critical. So we say, Lord, we can pray, Lord, forgive them. But we say, we, we can say, Lord, forgive us of the things that we have done. But we also, as we have also forgiven our debtors, those things that people have done against us. Praying for forgiveness means that we are also able to walk in forgiveness. We're asking God to for, to. Forgive us of our offenses against him in the same way that we have forgiven others of their offenses against us. Now, how does that grab you? Say, Lord, I want you to forgive me just like I forgave them. That measure that I forgave them is the measure I want you to forgive me. And if we're not careful, if we're not walking in that forgiveness... 
When we pray for God's forgiveness, the measure of forgiveness that we gave, and please understand, we don't have the ability to do it on our own. We only have the ability to do it through our relationship with Jesus Christ and the love of God and the ability that we have to allow forgiveness to come into our hearts and forgive somebody else of the offenses that they have done against us. It doesn't minimize the hurt. It doesn't minimize what they've done. It doesn't excuse it. But what it says is, I am not going to hold on to that. I'm going to release it and I'm going to allow God's forgiveness. There's been people that you've seen, no, no doubt in headlines, whenever they've had a family member that's been harmed or or even killed and there's been both ends of the spectrum where people say i'm never going to forgive that person and many people will say they're justified and another person will say we have already forgiven him and they're so broad on the end of the spectrum and many people can't understand how somebody can forgive they can only do that through the love of christ that's the only way but as long as somebody else stands in the way of your uh, being able to forgive, they stand in the way of your relationship with God. How to pray for forgiveness is, God, I know that you are forgiving and releasing me from the guilt of my sin and the wrong that I have done because I have forgiven and released others from the wrongs they have done against me. If we are not forgiving others, then the prayer really is this, is God, I know you can't forgive me because I can't forgive somebody else. That's really what we're saying. Lord, you don't have the ability to forgive me because I didn't forgive somebody else. We can't pray this prayer if we're not forgiving. And it's critical. I know this is not a popular message. I've had people that have come up to me and told me about offenses that they have been given, they have had in their own lives. And I have said what the Bible says is that is that we need to you need to go to that person and talk to that person. And they just flat out told me they said, I'm not going to do that. That's what the Bible says to do. How do you know whether you've forgiven somebody or not? Um, let's look at first Corinthians chapter th uh, chapter 13, verse number four. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered. And I want you to see what this says at the very end of verse 5. It keeps no record of wrongs. It keeps no record of wrongs. God didn't keep a record of all the wrong things that we did and the sin that we had and the sin that we, we committed against Him. And it is washed away. And in the same way, He says, your love, the love that I show you, keeps no record of wrongs. And when you are truly walking in the love of God through Christ Jesus, you are to keep no record of wrongs. I've had conversations with, with people that, you know, I, I love them and I, I and they asked me what I thought about a particular choice and I said, I think that would be a very foolish choice to make. But it is your it's in you know it's in your purview to make the choice. I told them what I thought. And I said, and if you make that choice against what I have advised, and it was good advice, 
And I think, uh, and there were others that were advising the same thing as well. And I think if you just set the facts out, that would have been the case for probably most people. But this person looked at it a completely different way and made the choice that was right for that person. But not what I had said would be. And I told this person, I said, but I'm never going to bring this up again. Because if something happens later on, and then there's a something in the human part of us that wants to say, see, I told you, if you had done what I said, this would never have happened. That's the human coming up. It's the flesh coming up. But what love does is keep no record of wrongs. And we say, I love you. And so I am just, I am not, I'm going to put that to the side because I'm going to walk in forgiveness. It is not my place to do that. It's, it's between the Lord and that person. I know this is a shouting message. Don't shout me down just because I'm preaching good. It's, it's the truth and you know it. Amen. It's the truth. We all need to hear it. Once you are forgiven, the record is erased, it's wiped away, and we're to do the same thing when you forgive others. You must wipe away their offense as well. Well, pastor, you don't know what they've done. You don't know the hardship they caused. You don't know the torture that I've been through. You don't know the hurt, the deep pain and anguish. No, I don't. But we have a Savior who knows. And I know this, that I know His Word is true. And when we can get to the place where we say, Lord, I want to walk after You. I want to do Your will. I want Your love to flow through me as nothing else. And we can get to that place where we can still turn it over to the Lord you can't do it by yourself but you can do it with the help of Jesus Christ and you can also do it with the help of other brothers and sisters that will come alongside you and hold you up Moses couldn't do it by himself when he was up on the mountain but Aaron and her were on both sides and as long as they were holding his arms up the battle was won and it continually be won and it wasn't like they held his arms up and then it was done there was a process that they went through he got tired and his arms would go down and the battle would start to go the other way there is a battle for the forgiveness that we we must exercise for those offenses that other people have gone against us and we have to get to that place and in order to get to that place it may not be a time where we say well we're just going to pray the prayer and it's going to be done I believe it could be a moment like when the when Moses and Aaron and her were on top of the mountain and there was a struggle because the enemy of your soul does not want to let you to let that go he does not want you to walk in forgiveness he does he wants to keep that festered up in your spirit because as long as he can do that he takes your relationship with the lord and he puts that barrier in there and god, my god is greater than anything that the devil does that's why it's important when you come to church to gather alongside of Christian people. It's okay. I told somebody one time that says, you know, I feel, they told me, they said, I feel embarrassed because it seems like every time I come to church, I need prayer. And I said, that doesn't matter one bit because they were thinking about what will other people think. It doesn't really matter. If you need to come up to the altar and you pray, and I said, if you've got to ride that altar every week to get to heaven or to make it or to do whatever needs to be done, you just put a saddle on it and ride it all the way to heaven. He will take you wherever you need to go. 
When you pray for forgiveness, it's not just God forgive me, but help me to forgive others. Help me to walk in forgiveness. I want to go a few verses forward past the conclusion of the Lord's Prayer because it deals with forgiveness. In verse 14, it says, For if, everybody say if, if, if you forgive other people, the word if means to the extent of, or as long as you forgive others. When they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if, to the extent of, and as long as you forgive others their sin, your Father will not forgive your sins. It's pretty plain. It's imperative that we pray for and live a life of forgiveness. I want you to listen to what Jesus said about it in Matthew chapter 18. If you're in verse 15, 18, 15, Matthew 18, 15 says, if your brother or sister sins. I may have left this one out. I apologize. Maybe the brother, maybe you can find it and, and, and put it up there. Matthew 18, 15 says, if your brother or sister sins. Go to the point, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. Verse 21 says, then Peter came, Matthew 18, 21. Uh, then Peter came and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Some translations say seven times 70. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began to settle, as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold, which was about 20 years of a day laborer's wage, 20 years wages, was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. Verse 26. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. And brothers, we're going to go to 35 just to, just to give you a heads up. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins, which was about the usual daily wage of a day labor. So one day's wage. He found someone who owed him one day's wage. He grabbed him and he began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay you back or pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. 
When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said, I cancel all the debt of you, all that debt of yours because you begged me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from the heart. This is what Jesus said. Peter was asking him the question, his disciples, how many times should we forgive? He was talking to his followers. In this parable, the servant had his debt canceled, but because he would not forgive the debt of someone else who was even much smaller than the debt he had, the master uncanceled his debt. He uncanceled his debt. You read it. There it was. How many know that God's promises are conditional? If you do this, then I will do this. If you won't do this, then I won't do that. And in verse 35, Jesus taught that forgiveness is freely given to repentant sinners, but it's conditional according to a person's willingness to forgive others. If we are unmerciful and unforgiving towards someone else, that will block the flow of God's forgiveness toward us. I don't want to live a life where I pray in futility, God, forgive me for something I just did. And he says, no, because I haven't forgiven somebody else. But it's not my responsibility. They're the ones that did me. They need to come to me. But it is our responsibility because we know what the word of God says. We know what the word of God says. The word of God tells us. I want you to look at what Hebrews 12, 14 says. Hebrews 12, 14 says this. Make every effort to live at peace with everyone and to be holy without holiness. No one will see the Lord. Make every effort to live at peace. With some people. But some people just stir me up so much. Oh, they're just a thorn in my flesh and I just can't get victory over them. You better get victory over them. For every person, you have to look past the action and realize that there is a soul that God loves as much as he loves you. When our prayer is, God, forgive me as I forgive others, then we'll be able to live this verse and have peace with everyone. We're supposed to be the peacemakers. We're talking about how to pray for God's forgiveness, how to pray for forgiveness. When this happens, then we can, we can be holy, which, is, which means we're set apart or we're separated from sin and set apart for God and His purpose. 
I think it's important for us to realize that when we are walking in unforgiveness, we are walking against the will of God and against the word of God. And I would go a step further and call it sin. Sin. When you are purposely doing what you know that the word of God says not to do, it's sin. There's no two ways about it. And it's human for us to want to compartmentalize our lives. It's human for us to say, well, everything's going over. Okay, over here. I've had I've had some people I've heard this. Somebody said this to my face. I couldn't believe it. They were talking about somebody else in a particular church that we belong to. And there was a conflict between these two people. And this lady told me, she said, well, I find that if I avoid going and being around this person or close to them, then I don't have to deal with it. I know there's an offense there. I don't want to fix it, so I'll just avoid it. How many know avoiding doesn't fix anything? (laughs) When you get... There's a few things that you can get in your mail that will alert you. When you get something from the government, (laughs) you don't just say, ah, I'll look at it later. Because if the government sent it, there was a purpose behind it. And, and you know, you better pay attention. <clears throat> so, it's something we have to pay attention to. I work with a guy who uh, looks at our, looks at contracts and the wording and things like that. And we have a lot of written material that comes in and there has to be an agreement between the customer and us with regard to when we purchase something. And so if somebody purchases something and they put these little, you know, this page of small print and there's not an agreement, what they've done is they said, these are the conditions that we attach to this particular purchase. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like a contract. If you go to sign a contract, who's ever signed a contract? You bought a house or a car or anything like that, you've signed a contract. If somebody goes in and changes a word on that contract and it gets signed, whatever that change is, is in effect because your signatures are on it and you've accepted it, you've agreed to it. And then later on, somebody says, well, I didn't know that was in there. Well, you know, I know it's in there, but it'll probably be okay. I'm going to sign it anyway. The guy I work with, he said, well, you know, when you find out about something, you have to make it right. When you find out. He said, you can't just go up into your attic and see that there's some charred electrical wire and then go back down and say, It'll probably be okay. No, because you know about it, you're responsible for it because if something happens, you knew about it. Uh-huh. Unforgiveness is like 
the snowball that rolls down the hill and picks up steam and, and picks it up. If we can walk in unforgiveness on something that may seem so small, we may walk in forgiveness in another area and it becomes easier and easier to do so. Walking in unforgiveness leads to bitterness. It leads to anger. It leads to resentment and similar ungodly emotions that the enemy wants you to hold on to. But as a follower of Christ, we're called to do exactly what the Bible says. Ephesians verse four, uh, chapter 4, verse 31. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another. And here it is, forgiving each other. Forgiving each other just as Christ, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Forgiveness is meant to flow. I've seen personally how unforgiveness translated into bitterness and it broke up marriages and families. It's sad when it happens. And I've even seen it to where it was bitterness toward God. And it should have been hatred for the devil instead of bitterness toward God because God doesn't cause the bad things to happen. I'm just about to close out this message, but I want you to see this. In Romans chapter 5, verse 6, you see that just at just the right time, while we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. He gave everything. None of us deserves to be forgiven. I think we know that. We don't deserve to be forgiven. But God forgave us in His great and rich love and mercy. Mercy is love and favor shown to someone who doesn't deserve it. Does someone else deserve forgiveness? Absolutely not. They don't deserve it. But it is mandated that we give it just as He gave it to us. So how we pray for forgiveness is, verse 12, and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And the prayer must be, God, let forgiveness flow through me. I can't do it on my, on my own, but through your love and your grace, I can do that. And that's the only way that I can. And that's how we pray for God's forgiveness. Let's bow for prayer. Father, I thank you for your word today. And I thank you, Lord, that we're reminded how you loved and how you gave so that we have been forgiven, never to be remembered against us again. And Lord, there's times whenever the enemy has come and used other people and harsh things have been done and said, and, and, and sometimes those things have been internalized. And Lord, you've called us according to your word. We've just read it that we are not to hold on to that, that we are to let it go and we are to forgive. Lord, I can't do it on my own, but I believe that I can do it through you. Lord, first and foremost, I have to make sure that my relationship with you is right.
and it's good. And we do that only through asking for forgiveness of our sins initially so that we, we can have a relationship with you as Lord and Savior of our lives. And as we do that and we make you Lord and Savior, only then can we offer forgiveness to someone else. And Lord, we ask for your help for us to do that today. And we praise you for it, God. It may not be easy, but God... Serving you is not easy, but walking with you is a pleasure. And we thank you for it, God. Thank you for the call. Thank you for your word that we've applied to our hearts. And may we do our best to please you and to walk in the way that you have called us to walk. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.